0: this is god's love podcast and i'm your host marina moore hey everyone welcome back to another episode of god's love podcast so today i'm sitting down with another amazing guest so introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your testimony
1: okay well so my name is pastor shayi and i'm the senior pastor of a local church in london england called my identity in christ church and also i'm also a christian dating coach whereby i specialize in helping single christians who are looking for the right person to marry that's pretty much what i do in a nutshell so my testimony has been one of uh, i would say uh, an interesting journey to be honest with you um i came from a christian family uh, my father's a christian my mother's a christian uh and we were raised as a christian however uh, growing up, I kind of deviated from the faith. Well, not necessarily from the faith, as it were. I still believed in God. Um, I still went to church. Obviously, I had no choice because I lived with my parents. <laughs> but um, I did not live the Christian life. I was still doing things non-Christians um, Christians should not do, like uh, clubbing and all the sort of things and just you know living a wild lifestyle. Uh, because my thinking was basically my father's a Christian, my mother's a Christian, so they can all be a Christian for us well we're kids we can do whatever we want to do and that's how i lived my life for uh between the ages of i think between age of 14 to about the age of uh, i'll probably say 18 i think it was i was just basically living life the way i saw fit um but then what really changed in my life was uh at the age of 17 i experienced a near-death experience whereby i almost lost my life Uh, i was um i basically i was stabbed multiple times um and i almost literally lost my life i was bleeding to death and there was nothing i could do and i remember when i was in that position i was praying in my mind that lord i know there is a god out there i don't really know you i know my father trust you i know my father's talked about you but i don't really know much about you but if you really exist and if you are true like my parents uh, have told me in the past then i would like you to show up because you're the only one that can save me from this predicament uh because i was literally in a position whereby i was bleeding to death after being stabbed multiple times and those who stabbed me at the time they were literally in the room with me in my house they broke into the house um in fact when i came home from work they were already there they st- stole my tv stole my radio stole everything that you can imagine so i literally just walked in on them and um they had stabbed me multiple times they had a gun they were going to pull the trigger uh but in the process of me struggling they put on the gun they started punching me and it was literally traumatic for me um and i knew something inside of me said to me you're going to die today and immediately another voice told me you're not going to die today so i didn't know which voice to believe and i remember actually when i went up the staircase coming into my flat um somebody grabbed me from behind uh with a very uh I think the person was must have been at least 10 years older than I was. Uh they grabbed me and pulled me on the floor and I looked at the person's face and I realized I don't know who this person is. And then that's when they pulled out the gun and dragged me to the lounge. And that's when I noticed for the first time that my TV and my radio, uh my my uh my my radio equipment and all that stuff were missing. So um I thought to myself, gosh, this is a Declalia robbery, but then If this is a robbery, why are they still here? Because they've taken what they wanted to take, but they're still hanging around. And uh, in the process of me having a uh, struggle with them, that's when I got stabbed multiple times. And then they laid on the floor, stepped on my hands, and another guy stepped on my feet, and they started to cut me on my face. And then I started to bleed even more. Uh, And then I remember they got me to sit down on the chair. They pulled out my tongue, and they were about to snap the tongue. But I just luckily put my thumb um, um, to protect myself and that prevented them from actually cutting uh, my tongue because um, i had a commitment in my heart which was if i'm going to die tonight i don't mind dying because i have no choice because nothing i can do just to, to protect myself but i'll rather die than to live and not be able to speak that's what led me to be bold enough to grab hold of the knife before they uh were able to cut my tongue so that's that's literally saved my tongue to be to be quite fair uh, and they were really upset that I had the audacity and boldness to resist despite seeing the gun, despite being stabbed multiple times. So that's when they just literally put down the gun and started punching me. They got the iron, um, they took the iron from the iron on board. They smashed it on my head 10 times. They all have broke broken pieces. Uh, and I was, starting, I was starting to feel very dizzy because obviously I was losing a lot of blood. And I prayed a prayer. I so said, God, if you're real, please help me. If you're there, Please help me. My father loves me. My mother loves me. But they can't help me right now. Only you can help me. So if you're there, please help me. And I kid you not, less than a, min- a minute of me praying that prayer, didn't even know what I was saying, didn't even know what it was What was going to happen, literally within a minute, I saw like a blue, a very thick blue flashing light came into, into the room. And we all saw it. I saw it. My attackers saw it. Uh, and everybody thought it was the police. Because normally when you see such thick blue lights you think or oh, the police is here or whatever the case might be that's what we know uh that's how thick and that's how bright the light was it was literally like the lights you get to see uh, uh on police cars and so they ran out of, out of the property thinking the police are around and they, they fled um and i got staggered to the window trying to wave the police over here i'm over here and i looked outside the window because i lived in the first floor flat so they by this time had gone downstairs, they've ran through the door, and they've gone literally vanished. And I staggered because I didn't have much energy to the window trying to wave down the police that come and help me, I'm bleeding. But there was nobody there, not even a single car. And the light was so thick that you would expect to see like maybe 10 or 20 police cars outside. But there was no mm-hmm. car, not even a soul, not even a not even a dog outside. But then i was completely blown away by that but then what blew my mind even more was why didn't they come back because surely when they got downstairs they would have noticed there was no police outside and they intended to kill me so why would they not come back that means they must have seen something but it was just overwhelming for me i just literally fainted and uh luckily uh a friend of mine was also in the house who had had a gun to his head at the time um literally called the ambulance and they literally uh rushed me to the hospital and the doctor told me if i'd been 10 minutes late on arrival i would have died on the spot because i lost so much blood so that was my Mm. first profound miracle that i experienced personally uh, when it comes to the supernatural because for me that day was not only the day that i genuinely became born again it was the day that i gave my life to god mentally emotionally and physically because god saved me three times spiritually mentally and emotionally uh and for the next 12 months it took me 12 months to recover because after that um ordeal i used to because i had i couldn't afford anywhere else i had to stay in that same flat so what i used to do was i used to write down the plate numbers of every car that drove um, that drives past my 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 house or my flat at the time before i go to bed and i told all my friends where to find the note just in case anything happened to me Uh, i was literally traumatic by the whole thing that happened. Um, And I remember putting like hammers and knives in my room. In the bathroom, I had a hammer and a knife. In the the lounge, I had a hammer and a knife because I promised myself nothing like that would happen to me again. I would never be caught off guard again in my life because I didn't want to go through that experience again. Um, So, and I remember one day I was getting on a bus and somebody just accidentally um, brushed past me and I panicked thinking I was being attacked and I just grabbed the person so firmly and ready to, and and I shook the person thinking no, this is not gonna happen to me again but i didn't realize it was just the trauma of what i'd gone through uh even though that person they wasn't trying to rub me wasn't trying to attack me it was just literally somebody getting on the bus who happened to brush past me and i just panicked so uh, and i developed a strong hatred for people because i saw the worst a human being could do to another human being so i said to myself human beings cannot be trusted they are horrible people i'm the only decent human being in the world as far as i was concerned um and that took me about 12 probably about two years for me to recover from that sort of mentality and god did a work in me whereby it literally transformed me from being somebody who had developed a strong hatred for human being based on what i'd experienced to become somebody who now loves people passionately and to think that i'm a pastor today helping people preaching the gospel uh serving the lord loving on people it's amazing because that's definitely not something that i did because i was good not because i was smart or because i worked things out it was supernatural so that's been my uh short version of my conversion to christianity even though i came from a christian family i was a christian by default of coming from a christian family but i was not really a christian because i had the mental understanding of salvation but I lacked the heartfelt transformation, and that's what that miracle that I experienced enabled me to have.
0: Wow, uh, that that just like gave me no words. Um, I'm like <laughs> so sorry that you had to go through that.
1: I know, I know, I know.
0: That's, but that's so crazy.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That 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 that's just the love of God. I mean, I think that's why I had to go through to really be the person i am today i've seen the worst human beings can do and i've seen the love of god not just heard about the love of god i felt the love of god and i've seen the love of god because i didn't know god at the time if i had died i would have gone straight to hell but god in his infinite mercy that's by my ignorance that's by my willingness not to know him or get to know him i was not interested in god my plan was when i'm 80 i'll give my life to god because then what else do you do at that age but right now i'm young I want to live life. So for God to know all of those things about me and still show up when I needed him the most. Almost, I said to God, look, God, all my life I've tried to run my own life. All my life I've done things the way I want to do it. And nothing could have helped me in that situation. My dad could not have helped me, even though he would have if he had opportunity. My mom could not have helped me, even if they had opportunity, she would have. So the only person who I despised, which was God, showed up. So I said, look, today I make a commitment to you. My life is yours. Do whatever you want with it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: he and, and took me up on that offer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what made you kind of, you know, growing up in a Christian family, what made you deter from that Christian path? Like what made you go, not yet. I'm not going to believe in God yet.
1: Um, I think the, the the issues again, this is where I think we, uh, the way I will describe that would be, it's not that I didn't believe in God. I, bel- I did believe in God. I, I knew about heaven. I knew about hell. But I was not interested in following God. That was the difference. Because I knew following God meant a different lifestyle and I was not prepared to live a different lifestyle. I went to do the fun things that I perceived to be fun. And I knew by being a Christian, a proper Christian, who followed the Lord, then you couldn't do those things. And that was my deal breaker. I felt like what was boring.
0: Yeah. I feel like a lot of people just like you, you nowadays, like see people like on fire for God and a lot of people yeah. are intimidated by it. Yes. And that's probably, you know, half the reason people aren't Christian because they're like, I don't, I'm not ready to live like that. Or God's not going to accept me for me to look like that and live like that. Yeah. Gosh. Absolutely
1: absolutely that's and that's the deception of the enemy that you know god does not want god wants the best for us you know and what we don't understand sometimes is that we think god's worth doing things boring even though it might seem boring but in the end it is the best way for me personally uh honestly when i look back on my life everything i'd I'd gone through to get to where i'm at if that's what i had to go through to get to where i'm at today then it was well worth it because god knows where i would have been if i had not Got to this point you know I've, I've tasted the mercy of god i've tasted the faithfulness of god i've mm. felt the presence of god I, I you know so for me christianity is no longer something you do to take a book to, to, um, to take a box it is a way of life it is uh the only way of life that i see because anybody without christ is literally living a christless uh, uh is, is living a, a a life of crisis in my opinion you know and i think uh um, is sometimes people hear this thing and think oh they're just fanatics it, for me it's more than that christ is the only way literally so like i'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me i've experienced that on a on, on a real level so and i i think a lot of people who say these things because or oh, we're not really interested in following god is that um, they've not really had that uh, experience and i think that preaching is great and i think preaching helps a lot to bring people to faith but i think what keeps people in faith is not just preaching it's transformation so and i think unless you've had experience with the lord true transformation cannot take place
0: yeah yeah and just you crying out to god you know Mm. in that season or in that situation where you know you just that was honestly your last resort uh-huh. Um, so what did you believe that light was? Did you ever like find out or, um, like um, looking back now at your testimony, what mm. do you go? That was that.
1: Oh, clearly. I think what it was, it was, uh, God. I think I like to, I like to liken myself again. I do so humbly, not, uh, in the true sense of it, but it's similar to the conversion of Paul. I think I was like a Paul who was so initially, I think for me, the way I was living my life, I was zealous and passionate for the things that I believed in. And God saw that. And God knew someone like me, it would take something that's serious to get my attention. Because my thinking was, my father's a Christian, so I'm covered. My mother's a Christian, I'm covered. So they can take care of the God part of of life. I will just do what I've got to do. And then when I'm 80, I can take over from them. So that was was how I saw it. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, I know God is important. Yeah, but I'm good. And uh, they they, they, they can cover me for now. Let me go on a holiday and enjoy myself. So that's how I saw it. But then when I experienced what I experienced, I realized, or not realized, but I was reminded. And sometimes we work in deception. And the deception of the enemy is that, don't worry, you got time. You got time to give your life to God. But one thing that experience reminded me of is this. The old die, the young die, Babies die, and your last breath on earth is your first breath in eternity. So the question is, where do you want to spend eternity? One thing I knew: heaven is real, hell is real. I knew that no- nothing could change my mind. Even my my lifestyle could not convince me otherwise. I knew those two things were real, but for some strange reason, I believed I've got time. You know, when you're young, you know, you go. Your vibrance, you know, you think I've got time, and that's the life of the energy yeah. But anybody can die at any moment in time, and God is no respect of persons. God's not gonna say, "Oh, don't worry, go to the teenagers' hell," you know what, you know what I mean? God's not gonna do that,
0: you know. So yeah. for me,
1: and that was, a, I think God was really God, for me. I really appreciated it because God went the extra mile, bearing in mind I was not, I was not serving God. I was not even praying regularly. I was not doing the things you expect a normal Christian to do. But despite all of that, it came to my rescue.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand is that even if you aren't passionately, like constantly running after God, Mm. he's always right there next to you. He's always behind you. He's always like, he's always looking for the greater part of you. Yes. Yes. Um, and i love that because you like sometimes even as christians like fall short you Mm. like sometimes you get carried away in life and then you just focus your perspective back on god Mm. and he's he's always there he's still there Mm.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. absolutely and literally that's what that's been my experience that's why anybody who does not know god every time i i mean my Every single time I hear about somebody dying or passing away, the first thing that comes to my mind is, do they know Christ? Do they know Christ? Because yeah. a life lived best is a life lived for Christ. Because I don't care how much success you have on this planet. I don't care how well-known you are. I don't care how much money you make. If you do not have Christ, it has been a waste of life.
0: Yeah. So, what advice would you give someone who's in that same situation of, you know, I'll come to Christ later. I let me live my life. I'll do. I'll do everything He wants me to do later in life. What is something like you like you would tell them?
1: Well, one thing I'll say to them is basically I can understand your thinking around that because I've been there. Um, but one thing I would say is tomorrow is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not promised to no man. God loves you, yes, but God has not promised us how long we're going to live on this planet. God has not promised you're going to live on this planet for 70 years or 80 years. The good people died young, you know, so you don't know what the future holds. The only thing you know is right now. You're alive right now. You're breathing right now. You can make a decision that alters where your final destination is. The question is, what do you want to do? Where do you want to live? Because everybody lives forever. The question is not whether we're going to live forever. We all live forever. But the question you got to ask yourself is, where do you want your address to be?
0: Yeah. That reminds me of something that I was talking about, um, I think just with, like, some of my small group friends. But it's really just, like, your address is not permanent. Like, wherever you live on Earth, it's not a permanent address but your address remains in heaven and like where you live up there mm-hmm. and Absolutely. I think that's so important just to keep reminding yourself because again you do get carried away with life and you're like mm-hmm. oh this is like this is the cool thing like I don't have that or mm-hmm. and it's just you at the end of the day you got to think about okay what what's my address in heaven uh
1: mm-hmm absolutely because the things we worry about in this life you know i don't have this i want this god is not against those things and the bible says god it pleases the lord to give his children good gifts so god's not against your success god is not a success hater god wants you to succeed but what god wants more than your success in this world is your relationship with him that's why he died for you i mean if you think about it god gave us heaven's most prized possessions in jesus christ Now, if God can give you Jesus Christ, what are the things that you're craving for that you think he will not give to you? To believe that God can give you Jesus Christ, who is priceless, and not give you the job, the promotion, the money, the vacation, the husband, the wife, then that is literally an insult to Calvary. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So how did you go from speaking, like, or I'm sorry, how did you go from one minute you're like, I'm not going to live if I can't talk and hating people to being this pastor of this church and endlessly loving people constantly?
1: Well, for me, I think uh, the bonus just came inside of me when I realized what was about to take place. I just knew I had to do something. So I made a decision on the spot. If I'm going to live, then I'm going to be. I'm going to live and make sure I can talk. And if I'm going to die, then I'm not going to die just sitting around um, like somebody who has been slaughtered. And I'm going to make sure I fight because you know I'm not just going to lay down there and just die like that. So mm-hmm. that was my thinking again. That was the worldly mindset, you know. Uh, for me, something just something just gave. I just had. The, I, I can honestly, I think, it's just God really. I just had a boldness in me that look. Yes, I'm scared about what I'm experiencing right now, but I'm not going to take this lying down. <laughs> that's, 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 that, mm-hmm. was my, that was just one. That was it. I'm not going to take this lying. I, I looked around the room and I, and I chose one person. I said, look, there are three guys in the room. I chose one person. I said, look, this guy, you're the one with the gun. You're coming with me. So if, we're gonna, if yeah. I'm going to go to hell tonight, we're dining in hell tonight together. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was my boldness. I, I, felt, I, felt a little, I felt some kind of comfort knowing that if I'm to die tonight, I'm bringing one of my assailants with me. Yeah. You know, And then moving on from there, I think how did I find myself uh, on the path of being passionate about God and doing the things of God? Well, at the time, I didn't realize God was preparing me for what he's called me to do. I remember going to a supermarket and the lady saw me, saw the scar on my face and said to me, God is calling you. That's why you survived. And I just thought, oh, that's another, another uh, old person just trying to make a story out of nothing. You know, So that's what happened. Uh, but over the years, the Lord started impressing upon my heart. But then I didn't know what was going on. I just I was being, I thought, I thought, I'm, I thought, I was thinking to myself, "Shay, you're, you're weird. Why are you being so emotional?" But I didn't realize God was um, impressing on my heart so many things He wants to do with my life. But I thought it was me being, I, I thought I was, I've grown weak. <laughs> That's yeah. what I thought. I thought, "Oh, you've grown weak. You've grown soft." But I didn't realize it was the Lord working on me. So God was patiently working on me, working on me gradually um and then eventually when i got to place where i really loved people then i joined the church i was seven in the church from that i progressed to becoming a cell group leader leading bible study uh, uh in in, in, in uh, the cell groups and i discovered all, all of a sudden that why do i enjoy sharing the word i noticed that i enjoy sharing the word i noticed that i loved learning the word and i noticed i loved searching out for truth in the Bible and sharing with people. It was like a hobby. it was like a passion. And I couldn't understand why I had such a passion. I thought it was weird. Why would I love sharing the word? I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. Why do I love it? But I didn't realize God was revealing to me what He called me to do. You know, so uh as time went by, I was served as a cell group Bible teacher for about six, seven years in my local church. And then uh one day I went to a seminar and in that seminar um I met uh a man of God who literally, I mean, we didn't even say hello to each other. It just literally came to me and said to me, the Lord spoke to him and told me that we're going to be working together. When we will be doing so many things together. I was like, whoa, really? Okay, I didn't get a memo, you know? And then, um, so what then happened was uh, we started to talk and now and, uh, I visited this church, you know, and, I, and and all of a sudden, the passion to really serve God fully was just growing in me. And even before that, I had written a book uh, I had written a book called Who Am I? And it was about identity, in, finding your identity in Christ. And that book came about because I had a passion for, um, for sharing the word. So what I was learning the word and what I was learning that God was doing through me, I was documenting and writing in the book so I can empower mm-hmm. others. But I wasn't thinking about ministry. I wasn't thinking this is a ministry. I wasn't thinking I was going to be a pastor. That didn't even come into my mind. For me, I was happy just if I could share the word with just one person. If it was yeah. just one person, I was satisfied. But I knew what God had inside of me. I couldn't keep it inside of me, so I, sometimes at night I wake up, like two o'clock and two a.m. in the morning, because I had to. The Holy Spirit would just wake me up, and I just give me that nudge to keep writing. So unless I wrote, I couldn't feel content. So I just found myself writing and writing and writing. And that's how the book came about. And uh, and 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 then obviously with this connection with this pastor that God led me to. We build a relationship, and then he started to mentor me on some front. But I wasn't even thinking about um, ministry and anything like that. And the Lord said to speak to me even more strongly that this was called me to this, called me to teach the Bible with simplicity, clarity, and in love. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's so much I can say about that, you know. But it was it was a strong, it was a strong. uh, uh, How can I put it? It was a difficult journey for me to get to where I'm at today because, literally serving the lord and coming to the place of following my calling the lord cost me my marriage i was married initially um and i remember when i got married i married somebody in my cell group which i was a little bit reluctant to do at the time but i felt like what could be wrong we're both christians you know we got well together what could be the problem um and i remember the lord was saying to me don't marry this person don't marry this person but again i just didn't listen i thought myself oh god you know what do you care about relationship i mean All you care about is heaven and hell. You know that was how I was was talking to myself out of it. But because at the the, the church I used to go at back then didn't teach about relationship in that sense of who to marry, how do you know who's the right person to marry or not? So I just went with what I felt was good for me. You know, I felt like we connected and we got on well. And then secondly, the person was a Christian, and I remember the Bible talks about do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, and this person was not an unbeliever. So I thought, what could be wrong? So. We got caught long story show. We got married, but God told me not to marry the person four times. Uh, because of time, I'm not going to go too much into the detail because I could spend hours talking about it. Uh, but God told me four times to marry the person, and He showed me a vision why He didn't want me to marry the person. And exactly what God showed me, it was exactly what happened. And the, the, the lady in question didn't want me to be involved in ministry, was against it. And cut on story show, I was happy to wait until she was ready but she was not having none of it she just wanted me to completely give it up and i thought to myself it's one thing to wait which alone is disobedience in a way I'm, you know god sent to go and he said him to wait but yeah. i thought you know what it's a marriage so i'm gonna wait but then she made it very clear to me that she wants me to drop it completely it cannot be on the table it's not even an option it's not something that we're going to come back to maybe a few years from now I said, I'm happy to wait until you're ready. I'm happy to wait two years. I'm happy to wait one year, six months. Until you're ready, not good enough. What do you want me to do? Drop it. And then I knew I couldn't drop it because I knew that, number one, God told me not to marry her. I didn't listen. I married her. And now I'm facing the consequence of my action. So I was not prepared to disobey God a second time because I've already experienced the consequence of my disobedience so for me it was no matter of faith it was practical (laughs) it was practical you know so um, i was like wow and i remember when i stood at the altar the holy spirit said to me you have blown it son and i heard it loud and clear and it was like a fist went into my stomach and and was pulled back out again that's how Mm -hmm. i felt inside and i said god what do i do now i said there's grace You know, so I said, fantastic, there's grace. So that means things are going to work out then. But I didn't realize what God meant by this grace is that I might go through some storms and turbulence, but he will still see me through it. So I was thinking, God meant there was grace, meaning the marriage will work. (laughs) But I didn't realize God's grace basically means, it could mean anything. When God says grace, depending on your circumstance, it could mean anything. It could mean it will see you through that difficulty, even though you have to go through that difficulty. But I was thinking... God's going to remove the difficulty and I won't have to go through the difficulty. That's why when I preach today, I tell people, look, sometimes we pray to God, God, give me a breakthrough, give me a breakthrough. And when God gives us the breakthrough, we're not happy because we expect the, break, uh, we expect the breakthrough to be God eliminating the problem. Mm. But that's not always the case. The breakthrough that God gives us sometimes is going through the problem and coming out okay.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not necessarily God removing the problem you know i'll give an example jesus christ said god if possible move this cup for me <laughs> what did he do god did not move the cup from him he yes. had to go to the cross so sometimes our breakthrough means we have to go to the cross and for me that's what happened i had to go through the cross and i remember what one of my um, favorite preachers used to say it said uh the cross is where your will and god's will cross and literally i can tell you that is the truth Because I had to literally surrender my will to God. Because, you know, at that point in time, I said, God, this is what you've called me to do. I've done everything else I can do to try to preserve this relationship. But there's no way I can give up what you've called me to do. I can't do that. And I can see now why you told me not to get involved. So you have to see me through. I'll never forget one day I came home and she was gone and that was it. And that's how the whole thing ended really. She just vanished, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can say so much about it, but uh, uh, there's no time to cover that. But again, I must say, it's not because she's a bad person and that's very important because sometimes when you hear stories like this, you start to imagine, oh, suppose it's a wicked person. It's not because she's a bad person, but she was just not God's will for my life. Mm -hmm. And when you marry somebody who's not God's will for your life, there are consequences for that. So that led me to de- developing myself in that area. I studied extensively in that area. I interviewed in, I interviewed people who've been married successfully, who are believers, and you know, trying to find out what worked for them. How do you know you, your husband was the one? How do you know your wife was the one? I went to Bible school. I did so much extensive study, and God said to pour into me. Instead to reveal same things to me and started to give me revelation upon revelation and I started to study the more I got revealed to me the more I studied the more He revealed to me the more I studied and I've made God a promise I said God if I can get it right the second time I will devote my life to helping other people not to make the same mistake that I made mm. and that's how I became a Christian dating coach because wow, I so... did because I did get it right the second time
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you are currently married to the right one
1: yes to the right one yes
0: yay Um, Yeah. So why is it important for you to share or to help other Christians, you know, find the perfect relationship?
1: Because the reason why it's so important to me is this. Everything rises and falls based on relationship. And if the devil cannot stop you from getting saved, he will use salvation to stop you.
0: Why is it important for you to help Christians in their relationships?
1: yes so for me the important thing is because i believe that everything rises and falls uh, based on relationship and the bible says can two work together unless they are agreed so if a christian is not in the right relationship with somebody else who's also a christian then guess what you've got the wrong foundation to begin with second of all if a christian ends up marrying somebody who's a non-christian then what you've done right there is you made the devil your in-law which is not a good thing So for me personally, I think it's important that Christians marry the right person because the Bible makes it very clear. What foundation can a man lay except that which has already been laid, which is Christ Jesus? And the danger is this. If you marry somebody who's not a Christian, then you don't have the same foundation. And how can you both build upon a foundation that is not equal? Um, And also, in addition to that, one of the things I discovered in my life experience, based on some of the things I've shared with you concerning my failed relationship, is that you can be married or you can be with somebody who's a born-again Christian, and you can still be unequally yoked. So it's not good enough that the person's a born-again Christian. It's not good enough that they preach the gospel. It's not good enough that the person performs signs and wonders. What matters is, is this the will of God for me? because god has a plan for that good christian you're looking at or you're thinking about god has a plan for you as well and your plan and god's plan for both of you might not be together so the way god is taking you might not be where god is taking them so sometimes we make decisions based on what we can see oh he's a christian oh she's a christian oh she prays oh he prays he loves the Lord. she loves the Lord. yeah what could be wrong no that is moving based on what you see Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God, the Bible says. So we need to still, despite what we see, despite what we think we know, we need to go back to the Father and say, Father, I'm interested in this guy. Father, I'm interested in this woman. But is this woman who's is godly? Is this man who I think is godly? The will of God for my life. And God will let you know. Because you can be unequally yoked with a born-again Christian. And What does that look like? So for example, one thing we must literally make clear right now is that if you're both christians you know you're on your way to heaven so that's fine when you die you go to heaven no problem we're not arguing about that but whilst you're waiting to get to heaven that person who's not meant to be your husband or wife even though they're saved can make a lousy spouse so do you want to torment yourself whilst you're on this planet just because you know you're going to go to heaven and guess what when you're in heaven you're not even thinking about them (laughs) because there's no marriage in heaven so why get married to somebody over here who's going to go to heaven like just like you're going to go to heaven but they'll make Mm -hmm. your life miserable on earth makes no sense
0: enjoy your time here on
1: earth absolutely abundant life right christ gives an abundant life both here and after so why limit your life by saying okay but it's saved yeah they're saved but they don't have the qualities to make a good husband or wife whilst on planet earth yes they're going to heaven Thank God for that. We, we thank God, but you need somebody who you can thank God for while you're here as well. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so, so yes. this is the thing, and I find that a lot of Christians fall into this trap because they're so worried about meeting the right person. They're in the church family, and they look around. Oh, this is only, this is the only godly guy in the, in the house. Oh, this is the only godly woman in the house. So, my options are limited. But that's not true. And one of the things in my in my job as a, a Christian dating coach that I find people come. Uh, that I come against time and time again when I speak to and counsel uh, single Christians is the question of, uh, but then what do we do as a lady, for example, uh, when there's not enough men in the church? You know, you're, you're, you're learning to be godly, you're doing all the godly things you're taught to do, but there's not enough men in the church. How am I supposed to get married? But one thing I like to do, I like to remind them all the time when, when, they, when this question comes up is this. There might not be enough men in the church, godly men in the church for you ladies. Absolutely, I totally get that. And you're right. We have more women in the church today than we do men. However, there are more than enough godly men or women in the kingdom. We need to move away from a church mindset to a kingdom mindset. We serve a God who reigns. We serve a God who has a kingdom. The kingdom of God is not a kingdom of democracy. It's a kingdom where God reigns sovereign. So God does not take a vote. Should I give her a husband or him or a wife? Let's take a vote. No. God said it is not good for man to be alone. The decision has been made already. It's not about to be made, it has been made. God said it is not good for man to be alone. Secondly, what did he say next? He said, I will make him a helper, suitable for him. God is saying, I will make you a helper. I will find you a helper that is tailor made for you, fashioned specifically for you. And guess who's going to do that? Not the angels. I will take responsibility for that. God created the heaven and the earth and he said it was good. God created man, he said it was good. God created the animals, he said it was good. But the only thing God said was not good was for man to be alone. So if you are alone and single today, guess what? God knows it's not good. And he's working on providing you with the person who's tailor-made for you. Have you noticed that when you go to a supermarket or not supermarket, um, a retail store, let's assume you want to buy a suit or whatever, you can look, just look for your size and pick any suit that you want. Oh, I like that color. I'll have that. What's your size? They'll ask you your size. Are you medium? Are you small? Are you large? Whatever your size is, you pick what's right for you. But that's what everybody does. But when you go to a tailor-made tailor, a tailor, when you go to a tailor, rather, for a specific type of suit, what do they do? They'll tell you to come in, book an appointment. They would take your measurements. They will go through the type of um, style you're looking for, and then they'll tell you when to come back for it. Why? Because it has to be tailor-made. It's not something you pick off the shelf. What God has for you is not on the shelf. It has to be tailor-made. And God is the tailor. Mm. And we forget that. So just because it's taking longer doesn't mean God has forgotten about you. It has been prepared. It has been prepared. Another question you've got to ask yourself is this. If the church is the only place you can meet the right person, then guess what? Adam would have been born and died alone. He met his wife in the garden. Not in the church, in the garden. (laughs) So the the issue is not where you meet your spouse. God can lead you to meet your spouse anywhere. The question is, are you able to identify your spouse when you see your spouse? And notice Adam was able to identify Eve, even though he was asleep when God made Eve. He woke Mm -hmm. up and he said, she is flesh of my flesh. She is bone of my bone. And he also knew her name. She shall be called woman. And he also went further to tell us how he was certain she was the one for him. He said, for she was taken out of me. How did you know that, Adam? You were sleeping last time I checked. (laughs) How did you know that, Adam? There was no DVD, there was no camera, there was no CCTV. The only way Adam knew that was through a word of knowledge that God gave him. Mm -hmm. That's a key principle for us Christians to learn. We cannot meet the right person. We cannot find the right person. And we definitely cannot identify the right person if we are void of intimacy with the Father. Because in intimacy with the Father, that's where the revelation comes from. And revelation is nothing but progressive theology. And revelation is birthed at the place of intimacy. No intimacy, no revelation.
0: Yeah. Wow, that was good. (laughs) You just like honestly went off on a rant there and I love it because that is so true. And I love that because a lot of people do just look around in their church. And a lot mm. of people don't look further than what they know. Mm. And that's that's so powerful that you said, yeah, but there's still a kingdom. Don't look at the church, look at the kingdom. Yeah. And I I love that so much. Um and relationships are so important. And nowadays people get so just like caught up in jumping from relationship to re- relationship that you can't find your identity in the relationship I don't mm. know if it was that you said it because the, um, the Taylor analogy, like, yes, you can't just pick one off the shelf. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You have to get it custom made. For mm. you. And I love that. So how do you continue to grow your relationship and with the Lord and just keep it tailored to you
1: fantastic there's uh the one of the last um messages that um paul gave his spiritual son uh timothy was this and that message never left me it's it's a it's a constant reminder of how we should live as christians for me and this is what he said to, to timothy he said young timothy watch your life and watch your doctrine closely watch your life and watch your doctrine close why was it saying that it was saying look as important as it is for you to watch how you live it's more important for you to watch your doctrine your doctrine is what you believe many single christians believe oh i'm of a certain age so it's too late for me to get married no man will want an older woman how am i gonna have kids should i freeze my egg should i not freeze my egg and the debate goes on yeah. now what you believe creates your reality." The Bible says, with the mouth we confess, with the heart we believe on salvation. And the Bible also tells us, whatever you decree, it shall be established. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So does doubt comes by hearing and hearing by the voice Mm -hmm. of the enemy. Whenever you hear a voice speaking to you and anything that has a voice is a personality, the trick of the devil is that what you're hearing is your own voice. It's your own imagination. But that's not true. Sometimes it's your voice that you're hearing. Sometimes it's the voice of God you're hearing. Sometimes the voice of the enemy. But the bottom line is this. Anything that has a voice has a personality. So what's your life? How are you living your life? What is governing your life? Is your life being governed by circumstances? Are you believing you're going to be single for the rest of your life because it's been five years and you've not had a date? Or are you believing that you will meet the right person in due season? What's your life? What's your doctrine? Do you believe that God doesn't care about you having a partner? Because to believe that would not be scriptural because God said it's not good for man to be alone. What's your doctrine? Oh, because your friend, whom you went to high school together with, got married before you, even though you're prettier or you're more handsome than that person. What's your doctrine? The prettiness of that person how handsome that person is does not, does not dictate that whether you're going to get married before them or they're going to get married before you. And secondly, you both have different plans. God has different plans for your lives. Thirdly, you don't know why that person got married to that person. You don't know what governed that decision. Yes. You need to rely on what God is saying to you. You can't speak for anybody else. People get married for a different reason. And marriage, getting married is not the hardest part. Anybody can get married. It's not hard. Staying married is where the challenge is.
0: Yeah.
1: So, what what I would say is watch your life, watch your doctrine. Because when you start to watch your life, then guess what? You can catch yourself when you're about to go astray and pull yourself back for the help of the Holy Spirit. If you watch your doctrine, you can be reminded of the promises of God and remember that they are always yes and amen, even though you're not seeing the reality of it right now. Faith is not faith if you uh, believing it because you can see it already in the tangible form. That is fact. Mm. So you gotta watch yourself. Am I believing God or am I believing facts? And the facts will tell you it's been five years. Facts will tell you that I'm getting I'm getting older. Facts will tell you my friends are getting married. Facts will tell you that I've been I've met the wrong kind of people. But fact does not change the promises of God concerning you. Facts does not invalidate the word of God Facts does not validate the word of God the word yes. of God remains true forever and forever amen mm. so yes. that's what I do with my life the Bible says in the book of John chapter 10 verse 35 the word of God cannot be broken so I remind myself daily the word of God cannot be broken everything the Lord has for me cannot be broken so yes. I every day I wake up I thank God for all of the things that He has done for me, the things I'm hoping for, the things I'm believing for, and the things that I don't yet have, because that's what God tells us to do in the Book of First, Thess- in First Thessalonians, chapter five, verse sixteen to eighteen. You want to know what God's will is? Rejoice in all things, for this is the will of God. So the moment we stop rejoicing in all things, in the good and the bad, we've stepped outside of God's will. And I never want to be outside of God's will. I've been there before, yeah. and it's trust me, it is painful. I never want to be outside of God's will. Everything I do in my life, in relationship, business, everything I do, I'm always asking the Lord. I'm always checking with myself. God, am I in your will? Because Mm -hmm. if you're not in God's will, you make yourself vulnerable to the devil. That's why the Bible says the enemy roams around seeking whom to devour. Meaning there are people he cannot devour. And I want to be part of the group of people that he cannot devour. Classic example, Job. The enemy was roaming upon the earth, but he could not devour Job. Why? Because Job was protected. Until God said, Let me remove the protection. That's when the devil was able to touch Job. Yeah. So there's some people that the devil cannot touch, even though he's roaming around. Doesn't mean he doesn't notice them. He, of course, he sees them, but he can't touch them. Mm. The Bible tells us that when the edge is broken, that's when the serpent will bite. And we see an example of that in the garden people blame Eve all the time for the fall of man. I don't blame Eve, I blame Adam. The Bible says, God told Adam, don't eat of that fruit. Adam went on to tell his wife, don't eat of that fruit. Second hand information, she received second hand information from Adam. She didn't get it directly from God. The devil didn't go to Adam who received first hand information from God. He went to Eve who received second hand information from God. And then, when Eve ate the apple, notice what happened. The word of God had not been broken sin did not come into the world when Eve at the, the fruit rather but the moment Adam ate the fruit that's when sin came into the world why because he was the one that was given the mandates the instruction and he was the one God delegated the authority to look after the home to protect the home to be a husband and the word husband means fence a protector not just a provider a protector and if the protector steps outside of his position of protection guess what the enemy can bite and that's exactly what happened
0: Mm, yeah wow i love that thank you so much for sitting down with me today um but before we do end is there anything else that you would like to share and like tell us about or
1: right one thing i would say is trust god god is faithful I've seen in my life, I've seen the life of other people. I know sometimes it can be frustrating. And I'm not going to sit and tell you that this is when God's going to answer your prayer concerning whatever it is you believe in God for, whether it's a husband or wife, whatever the case might be. Yeah, One thing I know is God is faithful. The Bible says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but His word will never pass away. So, what you need to do when you want to deal with God, and by that, I mean this a lot of people say, I'm waiting on God, but are you really waiting on God? When you will go to God for something, My best advice to use this. Number one, surrender completely to God's decisions. Don't go to God, God, I want a husband, but he must be this. God, I want a wife, but she must be this. Then guess what? You are going to God dictating what you want. That's not asking God for something. You're dictating to God. And God does not receive dictatorships. You cannot dictate to God. You can ask God for what you want, but don't dictate to him. Yeah. Tell God, God, I would like to have a husband who's like this. This That's fine. But don't demand it must be like this. That's not surrender. You never see a, a slave go to a master and say, this is what I want to have for dinner. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. There, any slave responding to a master is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So if God is your Lord, you must treat him as such because he wants to be Lord over every area of your life or Lord over none. It does not want to be just Sunday, Lord, Monday, Lord, Tuesday. He wants to be Lord from Sunday to Friday, every day of your life. But here's the question you have going to ask yourself. Am I truly surrendered to the Lord concerning what I want the Lord to do for me? Before I met my wife, I came to a place where I totally surrendered it to the Lord. And I met my wife three months later. So God can give you what you want, but you must go with an attitude of surrender. The Bible says anybody who comes to God must first believe that God is and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Diligently seek. That's the key word, diligent. Many people are seeking God, but they're not diligently seeking God. So don't be surprised if there's no rewards if you're just seeking God, but you're not diligently seeking Him. God has yeah. given you the formula. Diligently seek God. That means to be intentional. Be intentional. It's not your plan B. God's not your plan C. God's not your plan D. God's not your plan E. It must be plan A all the way till A. I don't care how long A takes. It must yeah. be a all the way. So that's my encouragement to you. And also, I will say this, as as a final point, um, you must refuse and train yourself not to clock watch when you're dealing with God, because that will kill your faith. Mm-hmm. Some people go to God and say, God, I want a job, and it's been one year they've not gotten that new job. They give up. Why? Because they were clock watching. Don't clock watch when it's God. When you're dealing with God because god will show up at the appointed time that he believes is right yeah that's what i would say
0: wow yeah i love that because you do i don't know if it's just like me or but i've seen you know you pray for something and you're like why isn't it happening like i Mm. prayed why is it not happening Mm. but it really like you gotta keep reminding yourself or you know not clock watch you gotta keep saying okay it's not my timing but God's and God's timing is so much bigger than ours mm. and it really just like our life is like nothing to him i mean it mm. means something but like the timing is nothing in like his timing mm-hmm. and you got to just keep reminding yourself like at the end of the day like i wanted it now but maybe mm-hmm. god's saying later exactly yeah exactly. And i love that
1: absolutely absolutely because sometimes if god gave us what we wanted when we want it then guess what we might not be mature enough to deal with it i'll give you an example we've all prayed the prayers god get rid of my boss god get rid of that person who hurt <laughs> me if god had answered that prayer where, there will be no humans left on the earth
0: yeah
1: you probably would not you probably wouldn't have been born i would have probably wouldn't have been born <laughs> so it's yeah. a good thing that god doesn't answer all our prayers in that way but there's a comfort. <laughs> But it's a promise that God's given us. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. The Bible says this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in God. That when we pray according to his will, he hears us. But not only that, it gives us the petition that we've asked for. So there is such a thing as guaranteed answer to prayer. You know what that is? Praying according to God's will. Most of us, mm-hmm. we just pray for what we want. God is not obligated to give us what we want, but he is obligated to give us what we need. That's why the Bible says... I know my God will supply all my needs not my wants according to his glory by Christ Jesus so when you pray according to his will God has no choice but to give you what you ask for because it's in his will
0: yeah
1: and I know that can be difficult to pray sometimes you know go I want a six foot two point five man oh, we'll... <laughs> but then God shows you somebody was five point five. But the right yeah. person you need, but you think, nah, that cannot that cannot be it. This, this is how people miss God's blessings.
0: Mm.
1: You know, so mm. you know that it's about training ourselves and trusting that God knows best. God will not give you a counterfeit. You might think what you need is a six foot two man, but God knows actually what is good for you is a 5.5 man.
0: Yeah.
1: Even if it might not make sense to you. But in the end, it will make sense to you. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story and just like answering the questions we have. Um, I've loved sitting down and talking with you and thank you so much. You Always guys, a pleasure. I'll leave, I'll leave all of his links in the description box. Make sure you go check him out and make sure you go listen to everything he's ever done. It's so good. Um, but thank you so much. And I'll see you guys in the, or I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Thank
1: you. Thank you.